0: You're not in this story. Yeah, well, we're making it up as we go. Welcome to Making It Up As We Go, a Destiel fan fiction anthology podcast. I'm your host and reader, Nerdy Nerdenstein, but you can call me Katie. The story is ours now. You can't have it back. Please be warned that this podcast can and will depict explicit sexual content and is not intended for young audiences. welcome to episode 6. Today I will be reading Real Slick Dean, chapters 3 and 4, written by Trilliat. The pertinent tags for today's story are Alpha Beta Omega Dynamics, Nodding, Rutting, Lots of Semi-Dubiously Questionably Consenting Sex, Sort of, Fuck or Die, Masturbation, Rough Sex, Shower Sex, a side of Feelings, Mostly Plotty Porn, Omega Dean, Breeding Kink, Fertility Issues, Alpha Castiel, Mild Discussions of Lack of Consent Between Cass and Dean, Background Character Depicted Being Raped by Criminals in Chapter 1, Castiel is a Special Victims Cop. If you are able please go to the author's AO3 story and give comments and kudos to them for sharing this with us. The link is in the show notes. This will also be posted on AO3 as a podfic under my username, and the link will be in the show notes as well. Chapter 3. The room is made up for an Omega more than an Alpha, but much of the needs are the same. Sparse, bolted down furniture, easy to clean surfaces, a small bathroom complete with shower and tub, everything with rounded corners and no sharp objects anywhere. It's not so different from a prison cell, except for the pleasant colors on the walls. He could have been anywhere for all that it matters to his body, and all he cares about anymore is the fact that he's on this side of the door, and the Omega whose scent has filled his fantasies for years is on the other side. The door is more than secure. It doesn't stop him from banging on it, shouting through it, trying to pry open the security hatch, or doing just about anything to get out of the little sterile room. Eventually, he gives up trying to get through the door in favor of tending to the painfully hard erection straining under his clothing. His skin is burning now that he thinks about it. All of him is burning with need, hotter than he's ever burned before. His clothes get discarded summarily and he sits, staring angrily at the door as he strokes himself to his first orgasm of the night. It barely touches the thundering tornado of want inside him. In fact, all it does is make him more angry. He uses the semen as lubricant as he starts working hard towards another orgasm. Then perhaps he'll mark the door, so Dean will be able to find him. Except he's not sure that makes sense. And then he's sure that nothing makes sense. But that's not important. Sometime much later, he awakens to the sound of a bright knock on the door. Cassie, I've brought Gabriel with me. We need a checkup. Balthazar says through the door. After a moment, the key code is being punched into the door, and Castiel makes himself crawl a few feet away from it, so that they'll be able to open it. He doesn't have the energy to even consider scrambling for some clothing to cover himself. Thankfully, that means he's also too exhausted to really even contemplate getting up and bolting through the door before they're inside and shutting it behind them. Naomi is being a comfortingly normal tight-ass about this, Balthazar says, rolling his eyes, keeping the tone light as he offers Castiel a smile and a bottle of juice. Needs an official report of your medical condition to approve your leave. Castiel sighs. "'tipping his sweat-soaked head back against the wall. "'He swirls one of his hands in a get-on-with-it motion, "'far too tired to do something as high-functioning "'as forming actual words. "'I hereby officially declare you in a rut,' "'Gabriel proclaims with an imperious gesture "'as he grins down at him, "'earning himself a glare from Castiel. "'Balthazar doesn't bother to hold back the chuckle, which makes Castiel feel better that at least they're not tiptoeing around him. A pretty bad one from what I hear, Gabriel continues, crouching in front of him with his doctor face on now, inspecting Castiel's appearance with careful eyes. Castiel lifts his eyebrows in agreement. This isn't going so great, huh? You're only six hours in or so, but you look terrible. His touch is clinical as he checks Castiel's heart rate and temperature noting things down quickly on his tablet as he gives him a thorough going over. Even still, the touch on his skin is like fire, sliding through his veins and leaving him sucking in shallow little breaths and desperately trying to ignore the painful hardness at his groin. Do you really need to actually dot your eyes? Can't you just fill it in with whatever and leave him in peace? Balthazar mutters, whether on behalf of his own boredom or Castiel's discomfort, he's not sure. Gabriel makes a mockingly condescending face as he rocks back on his heels. Well, I suppose I could, if you want to have to get a new partner and a new favorite doctor, because one of us will be dead, and the other will be without a medical license. Sure, we can do that. Balthazar's brows go up. Come again. See here? Gabriel says, turning to Castiel's bare thigh, so they can all see the trio of angry red circles on his skin. Hit him with triple the dose, at least. Oh, yes, Rudder. The illegal street drug he'd been dosed with. That was probably several thousand dollars worth of product jabbed into his body. Lucky him. He lets out a broken laugh as he cracks open the bottle of juice. Well, cock. Balthazar curses blandly. Yeah, it's gonna be a problem. Gabriel says, putting a butterfly needle gently to his arm and starting a blood draw. The blood flowing quickly and easily with how high Castiel's blood pressure is. Gabe's hands are deft as he tapes down a cotton ball over the puncture. He fiddles with a new vial and syringe. I'm going to give you a mild sedative to see if I can't slow down your system a little. But I've got to go do some research before I can do anything else. Castiel nods and drinks more juice. And you haven't gone and gotten mated or found a nice fuck-buddy or anything since I talked to you last. Not that I'm at all sure that would be how we should manage it yet. Castiel shakes his head as he finishes off his juice. There's no one, he says, voice feeling like he's been chewing on glass. He looks away before he can see the flickers of pity, and once Gabriel injects the sedative into his waiting body, The fuzzy cloudiness that settles in is a welcome relief. Hang in there, Cassie, Balthazar says, and the open concern in his voice is what really solidifies how bad this all is in Castiel's mind before he drifts into unconsciousness. He's on the bed when he wakes up. He's grateful for that. He's not so grateful for the fact that his cock feels like it's going to explode and his hand is not following orders to go deal with that yet. He turns his head on the sweaty sheets to look at the clock. Evening again, not sure which day. There's lube sitting on the side table, along with more juice. His hand starts to obey his will to put itself on his cock, and though it lands heavily and uncomfortably, it's pressure, and pressure is what he needs. With an awkward combination of hip rolls and forearm motions, he gets a few good strokes in, and that's all it takes to tease the first load out of his dick. He lays there sweating for a few minutes as the rest of the sedative fades, and he can reach for the lube. There's a note under it promising him that someone will be bringing him some alpha-appropriate toys at some point. The idea of nodding some plastic thing "'sends a wash of anger over him as he stumbles to his feet. "'He wants his Omega. "'He doesn't want a toy. "'He shouts as much at the door and bangs on it "'until his skin feels so hot he wants to die. "'He staggers into the shower and turns it on full cold "'and jerks off in the spray, "'the contrasting temperatures letting him have an edge of sharpness "'to his consciousness again, albeit only temporarily.' He masturbates twice before he realizes that he's shivering in the cold water. Then he drags himself out of the shower, toweling off half-heartedly. He doesn't make it any further than the door to the suite, the sudden reminder that his omega is out there, leaving him sniffling desperately at the tiny gap under the door. All he gets is the scent of dust. Even still, his cock is hardening like he's in one continuous rut. At this rate, he's going to have a heart attack soon. Death by orgasm. He supposes there are worse ways to go. He's come face to face with much shittier potential life-enders in his military days. His skin already burns and he struggles to sit up against the wall, hurrying to bring himself off again to try and relieve some of the pressure. He passes out instead. He wakes to muffled voices outside the door, feet approaching. Cass is one of the good guys. It sounds like Sam. He had a fucking jar of my stuff, Sammy. And apparently mine's the only stuff he buys here. How is that not putting him in the grade A psycho category? Castile flushes both in humiliation and in renewed want at the knowledge that Dean is just on the other side of the door. His cock is already swelling against his thigh, just from the sound of his voice, despite how tired he feels. Dean, for a pro, you really are such a prude, Joe's voice says. There's a reason we provide this service, having a stable scent for your instincts to work with. Yeah, yeah, a great workaround for the unmated alpha on the go. I've read the fucking pamphlet. Well, then maybe you should be less of a dick about it. The guy likes your scent best. You should be flattered or whatever. Dean scoffs. Dean, Sammy chides again. Voice, brotherly? Yes, yes, Sam has a brother, and though he doesn't remember all their idle conversations... The name Dean does seem familiar now in that context. I tell you he saved my life, Joe cuts in. Hell, Cass is a fucking guardian angel. He probably does it just so he's better at his job, saving Omega's lives and putting away rapists. He probably does it just so he's less on edge around some random Omega and heat. And Castiel groans as the fresh scents of them slip through the slot. Oh, hey, hey, Cass, I brought you some juice and toast, Joe offers, sliding them through the gap. Thank you, he manages, fingers inching over towards the patch of light to take them, but his hand just lays there on the ground by the opening, too weak to do anything more at the moment. She holds them a second, and when he doesn't take them after a moment, she sets them down on the floor. Hey, you hanging in there? She asks, light voice laced heavily with concern. He grunts, not sure of himself. Hey, um, she says, voice taking a mischievous turn. Want me to bring some of your usual slick? Oh, for the love of... Dean blurts. Joe, Sam chides. Hey, it might help. Dean, don't get all pissy and storm off. Hey! Castile jerks away from the door, away from the humiliation and the awful rejection, and crawls over to the bed to hide in his shame, to bury his face under a pillow. At least it'll be softer to die than on the tiled floor. There are raised voices outside his door. Women, Ellen and Joe. And Dean, then Balthazar. A quieter voice he thinks is Gabriel. He can't understand them, so he gives up and hopes to die soon. A couple of alpha toys are sitting inside the door, fake omega channels with a space for his knot. He throws them across the room and goes back to shouting his frustrations into his pillow. Then he goes and retrieves one of them and fucks it into the bed. It isn't much more satisfying, even though it's finally the right type of pressure around his knot. But it's nowhere near enough, and it leaves him stuck inside a translucent coral pink monstrosity for 40 minutes. When his knot goes down, he throws it across the room again and tries to sleep. He wakes up, too exhausted to move. He stares at the ceiling, starts counting the dots in the mild texture. Dean has freckles. He wants to count his freckles. He wants to knot Dean and hold him down so he can count all his freckles. It's the next morning and Balthazar wakes him up, Castiel is not at all pleased to see his partner, but Balthazar does a good job of holding him down while Gabriel takes more blood. Gabriel pesters him until he admits that he tried the toys, yes, more than once, damn it, but they did nothing to help. Castiel says some nasty things, but Balthazar just taunts him right back and lets it slide off his shoulders. He ruffles Castiel's hair on the way out and nearly gets bitten for it but that's all right. His wink tells Castiel they're all right. The worry on his face tells Castiel that he, however, is not. Anna? It can't be Anna. Anna's dead. Castiel failed her. He turns away from the hallucination. Joe is shouting again. She's shouting at several different people, he thinks. He jerks off absently as he tries to understand what they're shouting about, and then he stops paying attention to her altogether in favor of fucking down into his hand and imagining he's mounting someone other than a pillow. It's the sound of the lock cycling open on his door. He pushes himself upright in the bed but doesn't have the wherewithal to cover himself. That's all right. He's not body shy. When the door opens, it's Joe in person, smiling nervously at him. Hi. Hey, Cass. You... She laughs faintly. You look like hell, man. He nods slowly, eyes sharp on her approach. Then he frowns. She shouldn't be here. Joe, he breathes, waving his hand towards the door. She'd be at risk from him. He can still smell the residual edge of her heat hanging around her, spicy and low and sweet, and it sets his body back into gear, ready to go. Or at least his body tries to. Sort of. It doesn't work. Your doctor friend, Gabriel? He, um, he's been doing some research and, well, looks like you've pretty much only got one shot of staying alive right now until he figures something out. No. He grinds out, understanding suddenly when she pulls her top up over her head, long blonde hair falling down to brush over her small breasts. It's really okay, Castiel, she says, slipping out of her clothes. We're good friends, right? Hell, you've saved my life before. Now it's time to let me help you back. I can do that much, can't I? She's lovely and young and pert and soft in all the right places. And he should want her. He should want her so badly the way her body is starting to heat with anticipation. Nerves and arousal and deep affection are making her body slick and ready for him. His body tries, it tries to gear up for her, but nothing happens. Joe just smells wrong. He could tell himself it's because he's known her for so long, because he sees her as more of a sister than anything else, but the truth of it is he's already caught scent of the one he wants, the only one he wants the one he's been unintentionally preparing himself for over the last two years. And she's not him. Thank you, he says gravely, pushing himself further upright with a truly unfortunate degree of effort. You are truly kind and brave, and I will never forget this. She smiles at him as she sits down beside him. But after a moment, her smile falters. But it's not going to work, is it? She guesses, looking down at him. The lack of erection and any forward motion on Castiel's part are rather obvious signs. He shakes his head once. It's okay. We'll figure it out. Maybe the doc can give you a jump start or something she says, setting her hand on his knee. He shudders at her touch, face turning away sharply. She pulls away quickly, hands up in a placating motion. Well, can't say I've ever had someone react that way to a bed full of naked old me, she says with a laugh. I'm sorry, Joe. I don't know why it's... He regards his body with a frown for a long moment, then shakes his head. You're very beautiful inside and out, and if it weren't for He grimaces. Dean? She asks tentatively, standing back from him and picking up her clothes. I heard what happened. How he was what set you off, even though Charlie was closer to her heat. It's only his slick you buy from us, ever. It's the only stuff you use, ain't it? She asks as she pulls her shirt back over her head. He closes his eyes, embarrassed at being exposed for his little fantasy, the imaginary mate he'd never met, but he nods. She crosses her arms, mouth-quirking. You tell that doctor of yours that? No. I have not told anyone about my masturbation habits. Somehow, it never came up in casual conversation. He says dryly. She snorts as she steps into her pants. You're supposed to tell your doc that sort of thing, you know. He glares at her, but there's no heat in it. She's right, of course. She sighs. Listen, I'm going to go get a hold of him and tell him that. See what he says. Joe, he says warningly. She brings a water bottle over and sticks it in his hand cocking her eyebrow in a gesture very reminiscent of her hard-nosed mother. "'That ain't a question. You're going to let us help you this time around, Cass, and that's an order.' He frowns at her for a long moment, and then sighs and nods solemnly. It's not really going to get any more humiliating than it already is. "'Hey, don't be embarrassed. Nothing wrong with it at all in my book.' Hell, I'd be out of a job if it weren't for conscientious alphas minding their own thing like you. Dean's just being a prissy brat about it. So I'll make you a deal. We'll worry about Dean, and you just worry about not dying. Thank you, he says and lays back down, exhausted after another round of counterproductive signals raging through his system. Hang in there, Cass, you hear? Chapter 4 He wakes up from a fitful nap to the sound of more muffled voices arguing outside. He can't understand them, so he goes back to sleep. When the door opens again, Castiel groans, curling in on himself. He doesn't even have the strength to deal with anyone else right now. But when the person's scent hits him, He's jerking up, stumbling off the bed to stagger to his feet, hitting the wall just past the foot of the bed. Dean, he rasped. Yep, that's what they call me. He's wearing just a thin gray robe, signaling his intentions immediately. And if the robe hadn't been clue enough, the fact that he discards it almost immediately cements it into place. He's comfortable in his nudity as he approaches Castiel, but he moves slowly, hands up, soothing like he's some wild animal. Not far from true. I'm here now. Sorry I kept you waiting so long. He might look certain, but he still smells nervous as he lets Castiel grab at his extended forearms. Castiel gets his hands up higher, although he's not sure whether it's his intention or the alpha in him that pushes at his shoulder, trying to turn him away. No, I can't do this to you. Go, please. Cassiel groans even as he pulls Dean's body tighter against his. He pushes away from Dean a little, trying to get a handle on his depleted restraint, but Dean's not interested in his restraint in the slightest. Hey, fuck you, he says good-naturedly, half-smiling over his shoulder as he finishes turning and plants his palms against the wall, beautiful naked back to Castiel. Turns out I choose to be here. And then Dean does the one thing Castiel will never be able to resist. He angles his hips and presents himself. Castiel is on him in an instant, hands skimming over his ass, pulling him wider, coating his fingers in slick as he moans against his skin, teeth nipping at Dean's shoulder and the back of his neck. Dean's scent spikes with arousal as more slick coats his hole and his voice is gruff when he says, I'm not letting you die if I can help it. I don't want to have to live with a dead guardian angel on my conscience, okay? Dean... He whispers, dragging his fingers up to his mouth, sucking on the perfect hot and sweet nectar of Dean Slick. It's rejuvenating, the taste of him. For the first time in what seems like days, maybe has been days, his body isn't having to ramp itself up only to be shut down unsatisfied. He's getting exactly what he needs. Besides, you're kind of hot and I haven't gotten laid in a while he says with a studied nonchalance. Despite the way his voice tightens and his body shudders as Castiel's fingers slip inside him again. You taste so... Castiel groans around his fingers. Yeah, he asks, a voice rough. How do I taste? Perfect. Castiel breathes. He drops to his knees spreading Dean's ass to plunge his tongue into a shining pink-rimmed hole. Oh, hell, Dean gasps out, thighs spreading further of their own volition. Yeah, that's... It's ambrosia. Having this straight from the source. Not some bottled facsimile. He's never going to be able to give this up. Balthazar will have to lock him up with the criminals he hunted to keep him away from Dean now. Or just kill him. Perhaps he'll just die from the ecstasy of all that is Dean and save them all the trouble. His heart certainly feels like it's pounding hard enough to kill him. He laps at Dean's hole like he's dying of thirst. Probably because he is, in a way. He licks around his hole, licks into it, flicking his tongue against every centimeter of that steadily loosening rim. He sucks greedily at each new trickle of slick that accompanies Dean's moans when he hits a particularly flavored bit of sensitive skin. But when he starts plunging his tongue into Dean's body in a parody of fucking, another part of his body demands its turn, furious that he'd let his tongue encroach so far into his cock's territory. He's fairly certain the alpha in him is going insane. Castiel drags his tongue up Dean's spine as he pushes to his feet, ending with his teeth curving over the back of his neck momentarily before he wraps his arm around Dean's waist and drags him forcibly back towards the bed. But before Castiel can push him down into the sheets, Dean twists them, pushes Castiel back hard enough to dislodge him. On your back, he orders cheeks flushing a glorious pink that Castiel wants to lick or pet or something. All he has to do is pin the Omega down and then he can do whatever he wants. That sounds like an excellent idea, so he reaches for him with renewed purpose. Back, Dean demands, shoving him. I'm going to ride you. Easier to not that way the first time. The Alpha growls in challenge at the blatant display of dominance from the Omega. He knows himself well enough to know that he likes a dash of that perversion. He likes the fight more than the submission so many Alphas seem to prefer from Omegas. He doesn't want someone who will just be his bitch and demand nothing for themselves, someone too weak to be able to fight back. He doesn't blame those who do those who have learned to submit to protect themselves. But he wants someone who can and will fight back. With someone like Dean, someone strong and fiery, he doesn't have to feel ashamed of wanting the fight, wanting to wrestle for dominance. It's rare to find such an Omega. Another reason he rarely has sex, preferring to keep to his imagination where he can switch between tender domesticity and fierce contention among equals. Having Dean at all is surreal, hardly to be believed. Having Dean challenge him is an impossible luxury, and he throws himself into it. Except Dean's stronger than him right now in the state he's in, by enough that Castiel gets manhandled almost easily to where Dean wants him, It doesn't help that he gets completely distracted by the scent of him, the crisp apples, the whiskey, and the way his skin feels, warm and real and tingling with purpose and electricity. Then Dean's climbing up over his lap and aligning himself over Castiel's cock, and Castiel is almost entirely convinced this is another hallucination. Until it's very clearly not. Dean drops down with one heavy stroke, plenty slick, plenty teased open from Castiel's tongue, and plenty experience to do it with utter confidence. Castiel bows up under him, fingers scrabbling against his hips for purchase as a wrecked, filthy moan rips through his throat. The heat, the chemistry of their scents and fluids mixing, the weight of him, the reality of it. It's all so much more than he could have ever imagined alone. Dean's smirk is smug enough that Castiel growls, and it makes him determined enough that he musters enough energy to fight back a little. His hands clamp around Dean's hips, and he shifts his feet closer so that when he lifts Dean up, he can thrust hard up into him, even as he begins to lower him back. Fuck, Dean swears when a thrust hits home falling forward and snagging his balance with hands on either side of Castiel's head. That's the idea, Castiel grinds out, looking up at him with a raised brow as he thrusts again. Or perhaps a snarl. He's not quite sure what his face decides to do, but he already feels so much more coherent than he has in days. This. He needs this. And he's finally getting it. Even as he moans, Dean's eyes spark with humor, a feral edge to the grin he sends down at Castiel as he rides through the desperate thrusts. Damn straight, he mutters, shifting his balance a little more to reach down and grab Castiel's wrists. With a blatant show of strength, he pries them off his hips and drives them up over Castiel's head leaning his weight into them and pinning him back against the bed. Castiel twists, fighting him, or trying to fuck up into him even without the hold on his hips. For an Omega to pin him, he makes an angry sound. Hold your horses there, little Alpha. It's worth it. Dean says as he settles Castiel's hands where he wants them leaning his torso down so that his face is close to Castiel's. Pretty eyes, he says, nipping at Castiel's slight pout. Castiel growls at him, but Dean just winks and snatches his mouth back out of reach when Castiel tries to bite back. Dean smirks at him. And then he moves. The leverage gained from the new position gives Dean a chance to fuck down onto Castiel with fast, wild strokes. Dean does it with complete abandon, using a symphony of muscles in his whole body to ride Castiel's lap. The bed squeaks with the force of it and the bounce of the mattress just gets worked into Dean's rhythm. The slap of their skin is loud in the otherwise silent room. Silent save for the gasping moans he's making and the breathy sounds of pleasure and effort coming from Dean. It's impossible. This is all impossible. There's no way he's actually being fucked by Dean, by the Omega whose scent leaves him panting. But it's happening. If he's honest, and Castiel tries to be honest, it's all he can do not to black out. When his knot swells to uncomfortable proportions, Dean doesn't even slow down just makes the thrust shallower, tugging on Castiel's knot with each bump. It's not anything approaching comfortable for either of them, he's sure, but it's so intense, so much pressure after so long a wait, that Castiel isn't surprised that his face is damp with tears as he arches up under Dean. He doesn't have the strength to breathe, let alone cry out when he comes, but Dean feels it, changes his motion abruptly to a low, dirty grind, rolling Castiel's knot around inside him. It leaves him dizzy and gasping, consciousness narrowed down to the tight heat that is Dean around his knot. Dean keeps grinding, even when the slightest shift would be enough to pull Castiel off again into another orgasm. He rips several from him, each sending another load of cum shooting up inside him, milking him for all he's worth. Eventually, there's no more to be had and Castiel is laying limp, boneless and exhausted. Dean sits back a little, stopping finally. After just a little extra pressure against Castiel's knot, Dean settles back into the rise of Castiel's upturned knees, leaning back like Castiel is his chair. The casual familiarity taken of his body has his instincts purring alongside the bone-deep relief that nodding him has brought. So, Dean says, a little breathless and his eyes bright, holding out his hand. Dean Winchester. Castiel laughs more than a little breathless. Castiel Novak, he replies, taking the hand and exchanging a firm shake of calloused palms. It's a pleasure to meet you. I know. Dean teases, smirking. And he's funny. It's too surreal. Castile stares at him for a long moment, then shakes his head in amused awe, eyes tracking down over Dean's body. May I? Castile asks, glancing down at Dean's straining erection laying against his belly. Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Please. Dean says, surprised. He scythed heavily in pleasure as Castile's hand curls around his cock. Uh, and, you know, thanks for asking. A habit I've never broken until now, he murmurs. Too fascinated for there to be much bitterness in the words. He's more interested in stroking his fingers over the heated skin of Dean's dick something he never imagined actually happening. Having real sex with the Omega who produced the slick that he crafted into his little fantasy that he'd stroked himself with so many times. He grips tight, the angle not so different from how he jerks himself off. The scent, too. He breathes in deeply as he pulls, eyes fluttering closed as he strokes harder, savoring the way Dean tightens around him, the way it's just like his fantasy, but more. Dean huffs a faint chuckle and Castiel's eyes flash open in embarrassment as he realizes Dean is watching him do so. But Dean's already well on his way to being distracted into ecstasy as Castiel jerks his hand faster. He rocks against the knot a little, leaving Castiel gritting his teeth but Dean shuddering cock-tightening further. After that, it's not much more than a dozen strokes before Dean is clamping down hard around his knot and erupting over Castiel's chest with his head thrown back. Castiel can't help but marvel at the sight. He's beautiful every way Castiel has seen him, but like that? Perfect. The come-down is faster for Dean. Dean. Being far less exhausted and only having to manage one orgasm. They each catch their breaths in silence. It's nice. Until a few moments later, it isn't when the awkwardness of the situation drops over them like a heavy, sticky blanket. So, Dean begins, squinting down at him. Here, you're a. Uh... He clears his throat beautifully freckled cheeks flushing again, despite the gruff expression on Dean's face. You know, regular customer. Castile closes his eyes, cheeks heating despite himself. This has gone from wildest dream to worst nightmare in a matter of moments. I would rather not discuss it. Dean snorts, Hey, man, I've got your knot in my ass, and you apparently jerk off exclusively with my slick. I think you owe me an explanation here. Castiel frowns. He opens his eyes and fixes a hard look on Dean. No more than you owe me an explanation for why you're currently wrapped around my cock uninvited and sell your slick to strangers. Dean's eyebrows go up. Huh. Huh. Can't argue with that, I guess. Castile closes his eyes, ready to use sleep to run from the severe awkwardness that is going to be the next 40 minutes or so. But it seems Dean's not going to let it drop. Okay, so as far as my stuff goes, the money's good and the work ain't hardly work. And as for why I'm here? Well, that's pretty much because everyone out there thinks your life is worth saving especially if all I've got to do is have some hot sex. You disagree? Castiel asks, keeping his expression neutral. Hey, you did try to rape me. Dean argues, pointing at him. Yes, Castiel says solemnly. And I would have, had Ellen and Sam not been here to stop me. We are both fortunate that was the case. Shit, see? Our friends are some persuasive fuckers. You flat out admit it. And I can't even be mad at you, even though that should still piss me off. Dean heaves a sigh. Anyway, everyone was still set on saving your heroic ass, and they talked me into it. What changed your mind? Castiel asks, curious. Dean scratches the back of his head. Well, besides the whole everyone-says-you're-a-hero shit... Charlie kind of pointed out that you were, well, you were basically raped into raping me. He keeps his eyebrows up in understanding and agreement. He'll have to remember that for the inevitable department psychologist he'll be forced to see after this incident, assuming he survives. He is exhausted after this latest string of orgasms, but feels more rejuvenated now that he's got his knot inside Dean, his scent in his nose again. How is she? Dean snorts. Never seen anyone handle a heat that well. A girl just... He gestures vaguely. Multitasks. She kept talking at me while she, uh... Helped herself out. Already making plans to how to upgrade Ellen to an internet model for the slickery. That gets a wry smile out of Castiel. But yeah, she had a point. Pretty sure Sam said the same thing right off the bat, but, you know, I just tune him out when he starts talking legalese. He says, grinning as he makes a tossing gesture over his shoulder. Castiel snorts. So does Balthazar. Oh, but not you. You smarty pants like Sammy. Dean taunts, shifting his hips around Castiel's knot in a rough grind. Castile jerks as the unexpected motion floods his unsuspecting system with pleasure and pulls another load out of his cock. Fuck, he mutters, glaring up at Dean. Dean just grins back at him, far too pleased with himself. Castile sighs, dropping his head back and throwing his arm over his face. Dean pokes his ribs. Nuh-uh. None of that sleeping crap. It's your turn. My turn what? Castile asks blandly, not bothering to open his eyes more than a slit. Dean fixes an unimpressed look on him. I told you mine. You owe me yours. Said so yourself. Castile peeks an eye further out from the arm thrown over his face. Technically, I merely said that I owed you as much as you owed me. Since you owed me nothing and gave freely of your own volition, I still owe you no explanation. Shit, no wonder Samuel likes you, Dean says, but there's a hint of grin on his face. He's a good man, your brother, Castiel agrees, but he sighs, despite his arguing. It's fully fair that Dean ask what he's asking, even if his manner leaves something to be desired. It's complicated if you'll bear with me a bit, Castile says, squinting up at Dean. The man glances down significantly. Think I've got a little time to kill. Castile closes his eyes again, thinking over where to begin. First I should probably mention that it's probably not nearly as disturbing as you seem to have first assumed. I've never known your name or laid eyes on you before this happened, nor did I ever wish to. Dean doesn't say anything, though he does sigh faintly, and Castillo can feel a bit of the tension leave his body at the confirmation of his lack of threatening intentions. The others may have mentioned that I'm a police detective. It is difficult for alphas to work in special victims units. Sex crimes are most frequently attached to Alpha-Omega dynamics. In some ways, this makes Betas the ideal special victims officers. They're far less influenced by the instinctual fallout of the crimes. On the other hand, it makes their understanding of the crimes less nuanced, I suppose. I can see that. Dean murmurs. I'm the only Alpha special victims officer in the city in more than a decade. For an unmated Alpha, the job is very stressful. Omega's in distress. Alpha's throwing down challenges. It's a fine line to walk. With a good beta partner, it can be done. But it takes its toll, psychologically. So why do it? Dean asks, genuinely curious and without insult. Castiel gives him a lift of eyebrows. Balthazar's and my closure rate is triple that of the next most successful detectives in the department. Dean lets out a low whistle. Castile nods, stilling the fingers he'd caught playing absently with the light hair on Dean's leg before looking past him again. As an alpha, it's easier for victims and suspects to speak openly with me, to trust that I will actually understand what they're going through. I do, perhaps, more than others. He pauses, frowning before saying softly, My sister was an Omega. Was, Dean confirms, face grim. Castiel looks away. As in past tense, yes. Being an Omega did not end well for her. There's a silence. And Castiel is glad that Dean doesn't offer platitudes or prod for more information. He just offers a moment of respect. Castiel gives Anna a moment of silence as well, staring at the bland walls he would have given anything to have been able to bring to her, to protect her within, and then turns his attention back to the reason he's explaining all of this. The reason Dean scent was the only one his body would now accept. More to the point, there are certain things that can be done to make it less difficult for me. If I were to find a mate, it would be helpful for my emotional and mental stability in dealing with these crimes. But it would also very likely turn me from wanting to continue in Special Victims. It's rare for a newly mated Alpha to remain because of the strain it tends to put on families. He tilts his head, pondering that a moment then shrugs a shoulder to signify his lack of explanation. As you and Joe pointed out earlier, the pamphlets are correct. A stable supply of slick from a single omega, used to not occasionally, achieves a significant improvement in contentment and stability. In the past two years that I've been purchasing your slick, my case closure rate has been elevated and stable. Still doesn't explain why you picked me. Dean mutters, though he looks significantly more mollified. Castiel sighs, too tired to excuse or hide it. Because two years ago, when I first tried your scent, I felt whole. You smelled like home and mate and desire and all those things I can't have. All the things that I see damaged and warped on a daily basis at work. Had I not been drugged, I would have undoubtedly have avoided you in the hallway. Perhaps even tried to salvage the compartmentalization of my bedroom activities. His sigh is pathetically wistful and he frowns. But what's done is done. I am sorry if my small domestic fantasy, born of your scent, makes you uncomfortable. But I always knew it was just that. A fantasy. I hope that you will take comfort in the fact that it has saved lives. Dean's silent when Castiel looks up at him. His face is almost stricken. His expression shifts into something more neutral. But Castiel doesn't want to see it turn to pity. I hope that it satisfies your question, he says. He doesn't wait for an answer before he closes his eyes again and turns his head into the pillow instead. He wakes up again a bit later, when Dean slips off his lap, but dozes again almost immediately, fully soft for the first time in what is probably days. It won't last, but it's a nice respite. Before his instincts can truly start to protest Dean's absence, He returns to slip in beside him in bed, stretching out to take a nap of his own after cracking open a bottle of juice. He leaves another one in reach of Castiel's hand on the side table. He dozes again, grateful. Thank you so much for your support. You can contact me on Twitter, Tumblr, or by emailing me at makingitupaswegopod at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening.